0: Everybody, uh, Pastor Leslie is on vacation, and so we're very blessed and very privileged um, to have Reverend Chris Tiger with us. Uh, Reverend Tiger is the director of New Faith Ministries. He's been our director for since two thousand sixteen. Correct? Um, new Faith Ministries is is uh, is a, it's, well. Chris gets to go out and he gets to help new churches and new congregations and kind to of get on their feet and encourage them and and uh, just help them along as they become new. Uh, communities of Christ. Um, he's served as a pastor in, in numerous roles and he's also served in the superintendent of the uh, Lawton and Wichita Districts um, and so it's a really a great pleasure and blessing to be able to have him here today. From Italia they sail back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. You may be seated. It is certainly a joy and a privilege to be able to be with you this morning. Uh, I have been at First Methodist Church many times for meetings, but it is so much better to come for worship. And so I am grateful to be here with you today. I've known many of your pastors. I've served as a United Methodist pastor for 36 years, and um, but I'm grateful to know Leslie, and he had. Uh, had asked me previously to be able to come and preach, but it hadn't worked out on those occasions. So I'm grateful that it worked out on this occasion and that he's getting a chance to spend some time away and getting refreshed and renewed, hopefully. One of the things that I get the privilege of doing is to be able to oversee uh, new church, uh, second campuses of churches and also new church plants. And one of the things that we do is we ask people to come five times a year, and they share with us about what is going on in their ministry. And so I liken it somewhat uh, to the Scripture that was read here uh, in the book of Acts, that when Paul and Barnabas had been sent out by the church at Antioch on what we now call their first missionary journey, that they came back to Antioch, and they gave a report of all that God had done and particularly how he had opened a door of faith for the gentiles. And this morning I want us to take a look at what it means to have an open door. One of the things that I would like to share with you is that whenever I got here and I saw Kendall running around with getting ready for today, I know her dad, Jamie is one of our new church pastors. And one of the things that they have is that they looked at their community and they saw that there was an opportunity, an open door, to be able to go to the south side of Claremore and to start a second campus. And so they did. They went and rented a strip shopping center and they began to remodel it and they began to worship about two and a half years ago. It was when they began worshiping. Today, that campus has three services, one on Saturday night, two on Sunday morning, and the average worship is about 270. And so I've got to know Kendall some because of her parents. And so I was delighted to hear uh, just a couple months ago that she was beginning her ministry with children here at First Methodist. I also want to just tell you as a congregation thanks, because you have opened your doors to one of our new faith communities, which is the Christ experience. Uh, Six and a half years ago, we began to support this African American church as a restart. They had been known as Christ United Methodist Church, and they had dwindled down to about 30 people in worship and their district superintendent, Frankie Johnson, wanted to do something about that. We found an African-American pastor that could come and serve full-time, and that's when our grant for New Faith Communities began, was to be able to give them a full-time pastor. As you know, about a year and a half ago now, they were needing to relocate from their property, and this church graciously opened your doors for them. And so when I came here this morning, one of the things that I wanted to do was to check on them. Uh, Oftentimes when I have come here, it has been to worship with them. But I know that your generosity, your graciousness has enabled them to be able to continue in their ministry. I would like to just let you know that they are in transition. Their pastor has taken a different job. He's now uh, the CEO of a nonprofit, and they are looking for a new pastor. Uh, they have an interim pastor, Frankie Johnson, a former district superintendent, who is going to be uh, their interim pastor the 1st of August. But I would encourage you to pray for the Christ experience. You may already be praying for them, but I just encourage you to pray. And we have given a day for all of our new faith communities. And so, if you want to pray for the Christ experience, that's on Sunday. Ought to be an easy day for you to remember. Whenever you come to church, just say a prayer for the Christ experience. And if you want to say a prayer for uh, Claremore, uh, the church, the home church of Kendall, uh, then you would pray on Mondays. And so, I just encourage you to be in prayer for our new faith communities because We're in a spiritual struggle. I once heard that if you wanted to find out for sure if there's a devil, start a new church, and then you'll find out. And so whenever we start these new faith communities, these new churches, these new campuses, we need your prayers. One of the things that we have asked is um, if you would uh, pray at 938. You can pray at 9.38 in the morning, you can pray in the evening, you can pray both times. And the reason that we put 9.38 is it's taken from Matthew 9.28 where Jesus looked at the crowds, had compassion on them, said that we needed to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And so we have just lifted up that idea of praying at 9.38. And so I want you to be able to be faithful in your prayers as well and uh, just encourage you to do that. When we look at what it means to have an open door, that's a part of what I get to do in my ministry is we're looking for opportunities. Where is God's Spirit leading? Where, is, where can we go to help introduce people to Jesus and start these new faith communities? And in the Bible, whenever they're talking about opportunities, One of the things that symbolizes that is an open door. And so here in the book of Acts, um, Paul and Barnabas tell the church at Antioch that God had given them an open door, an effective, an open door of faith for the Gentiles. And so this morning, I want to look at three other scriptures that talks about an open door. The first one is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and I simply want to look at verses 8 and 9. So, 1 Corinthians, chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he is talking about his desire to come and see them, and he has written a very long letter addressing different problems at the church at Corinth. Corinth. And he knows that he needs to check up on this new church. But he also is at another place, Ephesus, and he knows that he needs to stay there for a while too. And so listen to verses 8 and 9. He says, I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries." So this wasn't just an open door, but it was a wide door. And if you were to look in the book of Acts and look at the ministry at Ephesus, you would find out that Paul was able to stay there for three years. Three years is a long time for the Apostle Paul to stay someplace because usually they're running them out of town. But there had been a very effective work, so effective that they had cut into the profits of those who made idols. And the Idol Workers Union had decided that they had had enough of Paul, and so they had a riot, and basically they chased him out of town after three years. But before that happened, Paul recognized that he had this open door. He knew he needed to go to Corinth, but he was going to stay at least until Pentecost because of this wide door for effective ministry. And one of the things that I think that we need to note is not only was there a wide door but he also said there are many adversaries. I find it interesting that when there is an open door, when there is opportunity, that there are also adversaries. And so one of the things that we encourage our new faith communities to do is to not only tell us about the things that they're celebrating, but we want to know about their challenges as well. We need to know what to pray for because we know that they will be facing some struggles, some challenges, and so we ask them to share those as well. And I think it's oftentimes that when we have an opportunity, we also have an adversary or adversity or a challenge. Napoleon is considered to be one of the greatest military leaders of all time. And he believed that in every battle that there was a period of about 30 minutes that during this brief time the battle would be won or lost. He believed that during this what he called this window of opportunity that you needed to take action and you had to seize that moment in order to be successful. And I believe that the Apostle Paul recognized this, that there was this moment, this window of opportunity, this open door, this wide door for effective ministry, and he needed to go through it while he could, even if there were adversaries. A second scripture that talks about an open door is found in the letter to the Colossians. This is in chapter 4, and I'm going to be looking at verses 2 through 4. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Paul is writing to the Colossians, and he encourages them to devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well that God will open to us a door for the Word, so that we may declare the mystery of Christ, for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should." The thing that strikes me is that Paul is asking the Colossians to pray for him, to pray for an open door for the Word while he is behind a closed door. Paul is in prison. And in prison, there are only walls and one door. And he knew that more than anything, he wanted there to be an open door for the Word. It wouldn't matter to him if he stayed in prison or not, but certainly he wanted to get out of prison, but he wanted an open door even though there was a closed door right in front of him while he was in prison. I don't know about you, but perhaps you've heard this quote, when one door closes, another door opens. Have you heard that? When one door closes, another door opens. Did you know that there's more to the quote than that? I didn't realize that there was more to the quote than that. I just thought that's what people said whenever you were faced with the end of one chapter of your life that you should be looking for the next chapter, the next opening, the next opportunity, the next open door. But Alexander Graham Bell was the one who said this, and I want to give you the full quote. He says, when one door closes, another opens. But we often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one that is open to us. Let me repeat that for you. When one door closes, another opens. But we often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one that has opened for us. Whenever I saw this full quote, I thought about the times in my life when There was an ending, a closed door, if you will. And I can look at that closed door and just regret that that door has closed in my life and miss the door that is open. And I think that happens in many people's lives. And so we have to be looking not just at that closed door, which is so easy for us to do, But we need to look for that open door, and we need to be praying that we will be ready to see that door when it's open. And that's what Paul is encouraging them to do, is to pray for an open door for the Word. The third scripture that I would call your attention to is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 7 and 8. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. This is a um, letter to the church at Philadelphia, one of a series of seven letters. And in this one, this is what Jesus writes to the church. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write These are the words of the Holy One, the true One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut. "...who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Look, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut." In this letter to the Church of Philadelphia, there's a reference to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 22. And in this reference, it is to the king's servant, Eliakim, who was said that he had the the key of David... In other words, he was the one that allowed people into the presence of the king. In this case, his king, Hezekiah. It's sort of like today if you want to go to uh, the president of a company, a chief executive officer, and you need to make an appointment to see them, well, you call and they tell you, give you to the administrative assistant. And before you can see that CEO, before you can see the president of the company, you have to go through the administrative assistant, and they will let you know whether you can see him or not. And if you were just to show up, you may or may not get to see that president or the chief executive officer because their administrative assistant guards their time. And so it was with, uh, in this situation, and in the book of Revelation, it relates that to the church at Philadelphia. And the amazing thing that it says is that Jesus tells them, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. You know, there is an open door to all of us that no one can shut. Many years ago, I was about to officiate at a funeral and I meet with a family. And I always ask them if there's something that, I would, that they would like for me to share on their behalf. It could be a scripture, it could be a prayer, it could be a, a poem. And on this occasion, uh, they ask if I would share a poem. To, and um, I have kept that poem because I enjoy the message. It says, there's a door that never closes, though it opens but one way. It's the door that leads to heaven at the end of life's long day. It's the threshold of forever where the heart is always glad. It's a respite for the weary and a comfort for the sad. It's the door to peace and healing and the door to joy and grace where the master greets each guest by name and with a warm embrace. And the loved ones who pass through into the light that's shining there Find a sweet and perfect home within our Father's loving care. There is a door that never closes, and I call that door Jesus. Jesus is the door unto God, and it is always open, and it never shuts. And one of the things that that says to me is that there is an opportunity for you and I to help others to find that door. There's an opportunity that only you will have to introduce a friend, a neighbor, a family member, a co-worker. There are people that only you can reach for the good of the kingdom. As a church, I believe that we need to be looking for that open doors. We need to realize that sometimes God is giving us an open door, a new ministry, a new outreach that only you can do. It doesn't mean that just because you find an open door that there are no adversaries. In fact, I would tell you to expect adversity and challenges As a church, I believe that it's important to realize that when a door has closed, that we need to be looking for another door to open, and that we shouldn't look so regretfully and so longingly at the door that is closed that we miss the door that is open. And then as individual Christians, we need to realize that we have the great privilege to be able to lead someone to that door that never closes which is the door to heaven, which is through Jesus. Years ago, I came across a, another poem. It's by a man named Samuel Shoemaker. Samuel Shoemaker was an Episcopalian priest, but his most lasting work was that he was sort of the spiritual backbone of a movement called Alcoholics Anonymous. And he was the one that really developed the 12 steps. And although this poem doesn't really have to do with Alcoholics Anonymous or the 12 steps, I wanted you to know that about him so that you would understand the heart that he has. And this is shown also in this poem called, I Stand by the Door. He says, I stand by the door, I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which people walk when they find God. There's no use my going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside, and they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. And all that so many ever find is only the wall where a door ought to be, They creep along the wall like blind people with outstretched, groping hands, feeling for a door, knowing that there must be a door, yet they never find it. So I stand by the door. The most important thing in the world is for people to find that door, the door to God. And the most important thing that anyone can do is to take hold of one of those blind, groping hands and put it on the latch the latch that only clicks and opens to that person's touch. People die outside the door as starving beggars die on cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter, die for want of what is within their grasp. They live on the other side of it, live because they have not found it. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find Him. So I stand by the door. I admire the people who go way in, but I wish they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they would not be able to help the people who have not yet even found the door or the people who want to run away again from God. You can go in too deeply and stay in too long and forget the people outside the door. As for me, I shall take my old accustomed place near enough to God to hear Him and know He is there, but not so far from people as not to hear them and remember that they are there too. Where? Outside the door. Thousands of them, millions of them, but more importantly for me, one of them, two of them, ten of them, whose hands I am intended to put on the latch. So I shall stand by the door and wait for those who seek it. I'd rather be a doorkeeper, so I stand by the door. Whenever I was a kid, I thought the best thing in the whole church would be to be an usher. We had a group of people, they even had their own bench back in the back. I don't see a deacon's bench back here, but we had that bench for the ushers. And I thought that would be so cool to be able to be back here in the back. I wouldn't have my mom and dad telling me to be quiet. You know, I could get up and take up the offering. And, uh, but mainly, I could stand at the door when people were coming to worship and greet them. I just thought that would be the best thing in the whole world. And so when I was in sixth grade, they had the youth that would usher at the early service. And I got to be the one who stood by the door. I think it's important for these doors that you have that they're important doors for being able to help people to find God. But I will tell you, probably even greater is the doors that you have over here and the doors that you have wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you go to school. There are different places that have doors. And I want you to see those doors in a different way, and that is that you're able to help them to find the door that never closes, the door to heaven. And perhaps you're the only one that will help that person, that couple, that family. That there may be 10 people or even more that you're able to help find Jesus, and as a church, that's what we're all about. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the things that you have done for us. We thank you for Jesus and for his work on the cross, that he died so that our sins could be forgiven. But, Lord, we also recognize that death could not hold him down, that an open door occurred. The stone was rolled away from the tomb, and people were able to see inside the tomb and see that he wasn't there, that he was risen. And, Lord, we recognize that that open tomb, that open door is still available today, that we have that opportunity to walk through a door that leads to heaven. We can help others. To introduce them to Jesus as well help us to look for the opportunities we have the open doors in our life that will enable us as people that are disciples of Jesus and also as a church help us to be looking for the opportunities we have for we ask in Jesus name amen